Let's start off in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Last Wednesday evening, I tried to explain the difference between signs, wonders, and miracles primarily being meant to show off the kingdom of God for unbelievers versus your use of faith and confession as an individual believer. You have no idea how your answer is right here. And I made a brief reference to 1 Corinthians 12.1, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Say it out loud, as He wills. wills. Say it again, as He wills. And so the signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Spirit cannot be orchestrated. Okay, let's go back then and give you the context. Let's go back to verse 1. Now concerning, and I'm in the New King James here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, it's been many years since we taught on gifts, ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, motivational gifts. I have a whole study on that. We probably could develop that into a workbook easily. And... uh, Somebody might say, why? Well, you know, the Bible's a pretty big book and we're trying to cover different things and be a blessing and you can't teach on everything every service. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The word ignorant stopped me because I thought, well, he doesn't want us to be ignorant, so we probably ought to teach on it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. I think it was 2014 or 2016. I didn't mean to go down this road. Um, We had never been to Singer Island, Florida. We were staying at a place on Singer Island, Florida, and I, I took a book by Kenneth Hagin, among other things that I'd read before. I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. I'm reading that book, and I told so. I said, I never understood myself till just now. So probably I'm talking myself into it. We need to get into teaching on ministry gifts, spiritual gifts, and motivational gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And so... You know, you've heard me talk about my fathers in the faith, and they were different. There's no cookie-cutter pattern. They're different. And uh, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said, you got to eat the watermelon and spit out the seed. And every one of those fathers in the faith had faults, but you never hear me talk about them. Because it's not about the man or the woman. It's about 
It's about what you can get out of them. Sue was out of town once, and I don't know why I was in her office. And uh, I saw a book on her desk that I'd never seen before. And it was a, a book by Lester Summerall. I'd never seen that book. And one of the chapters was on his uh, primary givers, his, his key givers. And I know we were because once they were raising money for something in particular and they called. I was surprised he called. I was not in the office, but uh, I was surprised they called. But they, they told whoever answered the phone, well, you guys are page one givers. And we're, we're going down the list on page one and we're doing whatever they're doing. And uh, so I thumbed through this chapter. I'd never seen that book. I, I'd never laid eyes on it. I thumbed through that chapter. And, uh, you know, my name, the church's name, was not in that chapter. And I put the book down. I'm walking out of Sue's office. And the Holy Spirit said to me, what do you think about that? You have any feelings about that? And I said, no, sir. I said, I don't care because I got out of him what I needed. See, if, if you want recognition, then you're on a snipe hunt. Ministry gifts. It was either the last time Summerall was with us or the next to the last time. He stood there at the, at the end. And I think we stopped the tape before he said this. It was at the very end of everything. But he said, he stood up there at I-30 and he said, you may have other pastors. But he said, you'll never have any like this, like these. And uh, God sets gifts in the church. And they're there for a season. And then they're gone. So you got to get what you can get out of them. We, uh, a few weeks back, we watched June of 1988, The Other Side of Signs and Wonders, uh, Fred Price. You can, it's still on YouTube. It's on, actually, it's on Austin's YouTube channel. It's had 400,000 views. And uh, so I, I watched that, and I got done watching that. And, of course, the thought comes to me, well, how many people there that day out of those thousands got as much out of it as I got out of it? See, the difference was we heard the good report, we believed the good report, we confessed the good report, we took action on the good report, but more than that, we ran with a vision. You know, the herald runs with the vision. So God sets these gifts in the church. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities or works. But it is the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given. And now here we come to the list of nine. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, 
What's the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge? The word of wisdom is a word from the Lord on what to do when you don't know what to do. The word of knowledge is knowledge from the Holy Spirit that you could not know any other way. Now, Paul says later on to covet. It's a weird word for Paul to use. Covet the better gifts. But let me tell you what, there's a burden to some of this. And uh, you probably don't want the word of knowledge because it operates very strongly in my life and you know things. And it's a burden because you see where, where you see something down the road and, you know, I've tried to talk to people, I've tried to warn people, and it doesn't work out too well. So we, try, we teach the Word of God, and Jesus, our Lord, said, let him who has ears to hear, hear. Let him who has eyes to see, see. But uh, I stood right out there not that many months ago, and I warned a young couple about they're boys, and they just go on and do, I mean, they just took no heed. See, nothing I can do about it, but I can warn them, but I can't be the one to, they're not my children. The word of knowledge, you know, Twice in my lifetime, the Lord has had me say to a woman about this time next year, things you couldn't know, but you know by the Spirit of God. And let me say something else, too. There was a guy here in the Metroplex. The three biggest full gospel churches in the Metroplex when we started are gone. They're not diminished. They're gone. And one of them... Um, See, if you don't have a spiritual gift, you shouldn't pretend you do. And so, you know, he'd have his wife interview people in the foyer and then communicate via radio to, his, to her husband. That's not the Holy Ghost. Amen. Word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. And somebody might say, well, you're teaching on faith all the time. Is that what we're talking about? No, this is different because this is one of the nine spiritual gifts. And this is severally as he wills. So that night Austin was born and Sue had all that difficulty and she was in the room, you know, still under. And that pediatrician came in there with his clipboard and gave me all of his dire predictions. I did not have the faith at that point in my life to handle that. God gave me a gift. Why would he do that? Why would, why would the Holy Spirit 
step in on occasion? Well, because he needed Austin. And my faith was not at that level. The Holy Spirit stepped in. But my point is, you can't count on this. These are severally as he wills. I stood up there at I-30 in the middle of a message and I said, when we move into that new building down there at 287 at Eden Road, we'll have more money than the day that we started. Looking back on it, there's no way I had that much faith. That was a gift, but it came to pass. And then to double down on being outrageous, in a subsequent message, I said, not only will we move in with more cash than the, the day we started, but we won't move a stick of furniture. It'll all be new. And sometimes when things like that happen, I mean, you know, people might be amazed, but sometimes I'm amazed. Now, I handled, I handled the COVID scam with my own faith I, because I had grown over time. Amen. Now, I said some crazy things, especially in the Holy Week Revival 2020, but I didn't need, that was not a special gift of faith at that point. You grow. That's my point. And you want to grow. So, you see, you see how through here I'm giving God the credit, the glory, and the honor? It's a dangerous thing to, to you know, act like, well, you know, I did this. Oh, no. No, 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 no. By the same spirit to another, gifts of healings. And this is interesting, and this is one reason I brought the New King James here. These words are both plural. Gifts of healings. That's how much God wants people healed, that there's not only healings, but there's gifts, plural, of healings, plural. Gifts of healings by the same spirit to another, the working of miracles. Well, what would be the difference between the gifts of healings and miracles? Well, a miracle is any supernatural event calling out healings. Missionary Bud Sickler raised a dead man once. Well, that's not a healing, is it? Yeah. T.L. Osborne, there were several dead raised under his ministry. That's not a healing. I think we have experienced gifts of miracles here at Faith Christian Center. We've never even identified them. I mean, don't you think that coming through COVID in two and a half years and not losing one single person was a gift of miracles. Amen. To another prophecy. There's great misunderstanding here. A New Testament prophet is not an Old Testament prophet. In, Old Test in the Old Testament, they used to call them seers. Now there are times we see, but that's not the gift of prophecy working. That is the word of knowledge working. New Testament prophets are not the same as Old Testament prophets. To another discerning of spirits, that works heavy in both of our lives. And that's why sometimes we respond to people the way we do, because we're not, we're not talking to a person, talking to a demon. And we know it. Discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues, diversity of tongues, 
to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing, here it is, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now, of these nine gifts, there's only one that is ever resident, and that is the gift of tongues. Anybody who claims they have one of the other of the nine resident is a phony. There's only one that can be resident and you can operate in it at will. We don't have time to go there, but we see this in the book of Acts. Now, the power gifts, what are the power gifts? The gifts of healings and the working of miracles are primarily meant to show off the kingdom of God for unbelievers. This is what we saw in Acts 3 the last two Wednesday evenings. And so, you know, I've been mulling this over. And there's a great example, and many of you knew the man, uh, Ashley and Lauren's grandpa. Their father, back up at I-30, had just started coming. And Paul Stewart brought his dad. And Paul, I mean, uh, Joe Stewart was an attorney who had encephalitis. And in the process of that in the hospital, they didn't have him strapped down properly. And in the process of the fever and the seizures, he had damaged his back. And while he was sedated and going through that, his second wife <laughs> had him sign a paper, signed over his shares in his law firm. And so when he came out of that dilemma, he couldn't walk, he couldn't talk, and his law firm was gone. And so Paul brought him to I-30, unsaved man. I mean, he might have been, he might have been, a, been in church as a boy, but he had, lived, he had lived an unsaved life. And Paul brought him, and he could, he could only shuffle with somebody helping him, couldn't talk. And in those days, back up at I-30, we laid hands on people more than we do here. I laid hands on him. He was better. And uh, the next Sunday or Sunday after that, Paul brought him back, and I, I could see he was better. See, and, and this is where actually reading the Bible helps you because they brought a blind man to Jesus once, and Jesus laid hands on him, and Jesus asked the man, can you see and the man said, I see men as trees walking. And Jesus prayed for him again. So if you actually read the Bible, you know what to do in various situations. And so I, I laid hands on him again. This happened maybe three, maybe four times. And God healed the man. And then, subsequent Sunday, he walked the aisle and he got saved. And he came to me and he said, what, what do I do with my life now? He said, I didn't think I'd have a life. He said, my, my firm's gone. And he said, I, I got nowhere to go. I got nothing to do. I said, well, I've got an empty office and I've got a desk and a chair and a telephone. I said, just come sit in the office. And Janice Wood was the school principal back in those days. And Janice never saw an opportunity that she let go by. <laughs> So uh, it wasn't a few weeks, you know, he was teaching at Cathedral Christian Academy and there are people sitting here tonight that had Joe Stewart for English 
His undergraduate degree was in English from Rice University. And I could not count how many missions trips he went on with me. And uh, what a great blessing. But see, that's, that was a work that God did in an unsaved man. And the problem is then we want that to happen for somebody who's been a Christian 20 or 30 years. So the problem is, and the reason we don't have certain guest speakers back anymore, is that God's people can misunderstand these things and worse, ministers can use them for emotionalism to get a reaction from God's people. And in the meantime, according to Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, only one out of a thousand gets something. Okay, so, you know, let's say I got something wrong with me. And I come over here and I say, you know, Vaughn, will you lay hands on me and pray for me? And he lays hands on me and he prays for me. If I'm not healed, does my faith level go up or down? Talk to me. Does my faith level go up or down? It goes down. Then I say, Julie, you know, a week later, Julie, will you lay hands on me and pray for me? And nothing happens. Now, does my faith level go up or down? It goes down. Then I say, you know, Abigail, will you lay hands on me and pray for me? Uh, you know, two weeks later and nothing happens. Does my faith level go up or down? Can you see what happens? And then we don't have famous evangelists much anymore, but you know, back in the day, people would go to this meeting and go to that meeting, and, and it was just, it's no different than going to Vegas and standing at a table and saying, come on, lucky seven. <laughs> and God is gracious and God is merciful, and sometimes somebody gets something. My point is, you can't count on that. These are severally as he wills. <coughs> and signs, wonders, and miracles were primarily intended by God for unbelievers. Now, again, like last Wednesday night, why do we not see more of them? Well, because we're not ministering to lost people. You want to see some signs and wonders and miracles? Um, minister to some lost people. Go find some lost people. Amen. Now, you as an individual believer must walk by faith. You cannot walk by signs and wonders and miracles. It simply will not work. You know, while I'm talking to you, the Lord's talking to me about money. This is why I learned this. This is why I grew this faith. And you have to understand when, when I'm saying something, I'm not just passing the time. And so when I say use money to exercise your faith and to grow your faith because it's non-fatal, there's a reason for it. Because back when we moved into I-30 after the stock market crash in 1987. I mean, we weren't making it. And uh, I had heard Fred Price, that message I referred to earlier, June of 1988. But see, I, I needed some more beatings. I needed, to, I, needed to, I needed to be kicked down the road by the devil some more. And then it was uh, 1989. I complained to the Lord in prayer. I never had any money. And he spoke to me, son, you don't ever have any money because you never save any money. See, and I start, had to start taking action. And then part of the action I took 
It was that. It was the year after that. I bought a car, first car I ever had that had a cassette player in the dash. You don't know what that is, and uh, and so you know I, I was feeding on the Word of God, and, and we really got serious about confession. Chris Stewart was teaching in Children's Church, and Austin and Christina were learning about confession, and you know I. I'd hear a little voice from the back seat. Somebody say, is that what you want? Well, no. Then why would you say that? And, you know, rather than get irritated about faith, about the church and the children's church and all that, I thank God for it because we were trying to batten down the hatches on confession. And we started with Philippians 4.19 to get our needs met. And then we were tired of our needs met. Then we got on to 2 Corinthians 9-11 to go beyond that. What is that? What is that? What is that? See, that's finding out from the Word of God what belongs to me, believing the good report, confessing the good report, taking action on the good report, and then frankly, just not taking anything else. See, you, you, there has to be a kind of a stubbornness to it. And if you think, if you think you're going to have a victory and that's the end of it, then you absolutely don't know who you're dealing with. You know, I stood here a few weeks back, talked about a healing. Well, that's not the end of it because Satan will come back. And he'll try and exercise that symptom on you or whatever. You just have to have a stubbornness about you. Oh, no, you don't, Satan. No, 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 no. No, I'm healed of that. You're not putting that back on me. You just gather up your, your lying symptoms and you just get out of here in the name of Jesus. And then, and then he'll test you again. And this is why you can, there aren't many, I don't know of any healing evangelists anymore traveling, but... Back in the day when there were healing evangelists and you could go to a meeting and get healed, this is why a lot of people got healed, they got something, but then they lost it later. Because even if God comes along with a sign or a wonder or a miracle and makes an exception for you, even if that happens, you can still lose it if you don't know how to exercise your own faith. Because the devil... <laughs> Just look what he's doing to children in 2022 and you'll know all about his character. He's a destroyer. And let me tell you what, the time is short and that verse in Revelation has come to pass. We're living in it right now. He has come down to the earth and he is full of fury because he knows his time is short. And that's what's going on right now. So I was getting dressed uh, yesterday and the Lord asked me, <laughs> and when the Lord talks to you, there's a reason. He's not just talking to you because he doesn't have anything else to do. He's he said to me, so how would you handle laying on the laying on of hands on people if you were an evangelist? And I knew exactly what he meant. He wanted me to stop what I was doing, go into my office and write it down. And here it is. First, I would take the congregation to Colossians 2.15 and I would point out that Satan is already defeated. 
Jesus defeated him for us 2,000 years ago. Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed, what tense is that? And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And I would ask the crowd, what tense is this? And I would point out that one translation says, Jesus put to naught every work of Satan on Calvary's cross. Second, I'd take the congregation to Ephesians 4.27, and I would point out that it is we who give Satan a place. Now, people don't want to admit this stuff. They want to believe in karma or something. They want, to, they want to believe that Satan's just doing what Satan's doing with impunity. No, 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 no. Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. So I'm going to say a hard thing. And if you have a problem with it, it's your problem. It's not mine. But whatever area of your life Satan is holding high carnival in, you let him in. You open the door. You did it. Neither give place to the devil. And the word place in the Greek is the Greek word topos, from which we get our word topography. And uh, you know, I was I was walking four miles a day since 1988, but in in my challenge to get healed. I, I ramped that up to six and I'm staying with it because I've got three things from the past and I, I figure as long as I'm in the zone, may as well just get it all knocked out and be, then I'll be perfect. And, uh, but let me tell you what, you, you walk six miles a day, 67 years old, you're going to feel some things. And, uh, but I, I, I don't, I don't see it as a reason to complain. I see it as an opportunity. Say it out loud. This is just another opportunity, just another opportunity to, prove to prove that the word of God is so. Word of God is so. And so I wish I had known one truth decades earlier, and that is this. When anything comes against you, do not delay, do not hesitate, and do not tolerate it, and do not put up with it. You jump on it right now, and you run him out. And so, you know, things, you know, I can, I can feel things, but I just run him out. Oh, no, you're not putting that on me. No, I'm not having that. Pastor, you can't be serious. I'm absolutely serious. You cannot, you cannot put down these kind of miles at age 67 and not feel things. You do. But I, I just tell them I'm not having it. Well, Pastor, you're assuming that the, the battle is spiritual. Absolutely. The battle's spiritual. See, Satan wants to pull you into the natural. If you allow yourself to fight the battles of life on the natural plane, you will be defeated every time. But if you can learn how to hold Satan on the spiritual plane, you will defeat him every time. Yeah, it's spiritual. Now we have to do our part. You know, I'm laughing at myself. I never would have thought I'd be like a health nut, but, 
you know, all the reading I've done since March of 2020. So, you know, man, I'm taking vitamin D for the first time in my life. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking better care of myself. So you, you do your part. And one of my fathers in the faith, John Osteen, used to say, he used to call it leaving no stone unturned. You leave no stone unturned. You do everything you know to do. And when you get right to the edge of everything you know to do, then you believe God and you stand. So, that, uh, I mean, I would love to go home tonight and eat a whole bag of Doritos. Uh, cool Ranch would be great. Uh, <laughs> You know, or kettle potato chips. But, you know, in other words, you just don't do what you know you shouldn't be doing. Do you understand? So you have to do your part to take care of yourself or to maintain your marriage or whatever it is. Make money. Third, I would take the congregation to John 10.10. And I would point out that it is Satan, not God, who steals and kills and destroys. Now, this sounds... Very basic and fundamental for you fine folks at Faith Christian Center, but you would be shocked at how much of the church world and even how much of the full gospel church world thinks that God puts stuff on his people. It is horrifying. You know, when people tell me about whatever issue they're going through and they use the phrase will of God, I just check out. I just, I just can't handle it, you know. I just can't handle it because they're blaming God. See, John 10, tell your neighbor, this is why we have a Bible. See, John 10, 10 says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full or to have it more abundantly. And I've been teaching this, you know, since we pioneered the church. People get upset about it that uh, it's the will of God that we have life to the full. Well, I got, I got Bible on it. Jesus said, the thief cometh not. But look, so if there's any stealing, killing, or destroying going on, we used to teach it this way up at I-30. Ask yourself, is this stealing, killing, and destroying, or is this blessing? If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, and don't insult God by asking God if it's his will. Amen. Because he gave you his will in John 10.10. So if there's any stealing, killing, or destroying going on, it's not the will of God. It's, it's Satan. And listen, if, once you identify something as being the work of Satan, you cannot get the victory over it in the natural. It is a spiritual battle. Stealing, killing, and destroying. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Fourth, I would take the congregation to Acts 10, 38, and I would point out that the people Jesus healed needed healing because they were under the power of the devil. This is an amazing verse. It's been there the whole time. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed. Now, let, let me ask you to stop here. It's, tell your neighbor, it's all right to think when you read the Bible. If Jesus operated on planet earth as the son of God, why did he need to be anointed? He never one time called himself the son of God. He always referred to himself as the son of man. And there's not one miracle he ever did that you cannot see some other prophet or apostle in the Bible, Old or New Testament, perform. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, and, and, and I would ask the congregation, why did they need healing? Talk to me, why did they need healing? Talk to me, why did they need healing? Say we're under the power of the devil. Now, not everything is spiritual. You know, I, I had a heck of a time getting healed in my right shoulder. I picked this suitcase up in a stupid manner. Not everything is spiritual. I'm not saying everything is spiritual, but I will say this. Your inability to get a quick healing is spiritual. How in the world could the children of Israel walk across the desert? Actually, they didn't walk across it. They walked in circles for 40 years. And how, how could they do that and not one of them get sick and their shoes not wear out? See, they walked in covenant. People ignore the, you know, the first five books of the Bible. But there are promises in those first five books on healing. They walked in covenant. So was Satan not around? Well, he might have been around, but they walked in covenant. And this is the way we need to view these things, that Jesus did the work 2,000 years ago, but as Paul says, Satan is the god of this world. And uh, Adam didn't have a moral right to do so, but Adam had a legal right to hand over to Satan the sovereignty he had over planet Earth. Paul calls Satan the god of this world. You don't think God's in charge of Washington, do you? And so we have an adversary. And so but Satan, Satan's gift is deception, and he's got people thinking that God's putting something on them to teach them. Many, 20, 25 years ago on a Sunday night, we were looking for something to watch, and I've, we came across one of the biggest mega churches in the Metroplex, and I thought, well, oh, I've never heard that guy. So, you know, I sat there and watched a few minutes. His Easter Sunday, his Easter Sunday morning message was about how, some, how God had killed some little girl in the church with cancer. And, and uh, what are we supposed to learn from this? And I, I, told, so I said, we're supposed to learn that you don't know anything about the Bible, even though you got an earned doctorate, and I changed the channel. That's what we're supposed to learn. You don't know anything. Because... The first thing we ask about any given situation is, what does the Word of God have to say about this? And the Word of God says that Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have that life more abundantly. And then we have Acts 10, 38. Why did they need healing? Because they were under the power of the devil. Now, there are things in this earth that probably have been dug up or exposed, that it would have been better if they hadn't been dug up or exposed. There are things that I read about that I, I was not trained in. I don't understand. I, I can't believe that a common ingredient in a lot of these childhood vaccines is mercury. Anybody, anybody 
anybody with an IQ above room temperature knows a human being doesn't need to be anywhere near mercury. So there's, no, there's stuff in the earth that our bodies don't react well to and there's nefarious stuff going on. I mean, you ought to just read the label on what you're sticking in your mouth. Tell your neighbor, if you can't pronounce the words of what you're eating, you ought not eat it. You know, if you eat a piece of broccoli, it doesn't come with, a, I mean, it doesn't come with a label of 54 ingredients that you can't pronounce. You know, a, a Twinkie has a shelf life of something like 25 years. I mean, what, what do they put in it to, to make it last 25 years? Well, probably something that's not too good for us. Okay, so there's all this stuff going on. We understand that. We do our best to avoid all that. We understand that. But, but now, see, I can go right back to prosperity on this because to buy healthy food, what does it take to buy healthy food? It takes money. Now, you know, if, my gosh, you know, Sue is out of town. So she didn't even know you could do this. But, uh, you know, I thought, I'd like to have filet mignon, but I don't want to leave the house. And so anyway, I ordered some, you know, organic filet mignon brought to my front door. You can't, exp you, I mean, this is, a, and I, I mean, I'm clueless because I just hand Sue money. I don't even pay attention to anything. But, you know, so they bring me six, uh, eight ounce filet mignons, organic, whatever. And I thought, oh my gosh, the woman needs more money. But, oh, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> But I'm saying, if you, if you buy like organic, it automatically costs more, right? Than the tube of hamburger meat at Sam's. <laughs> when, when they package meat and you can't see it, it might be best to not buy that. Fifth. I'd take the congregation back to Colossians 2.15 and I would again point out that Satan is already defeated. Jesus defeated him for us 2,000 years ago and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross and I would ask the crowd, what tense is this? Sixth, I would take the congregation to Matthew 8.17 and I would point out that in truth, they were already healed 2,000 years ago. See, the work's done. As long, again, if Satan can hold you in the realm of emotion, if Satan can hold you in the realm of intellect, he'll defeat you every time. But if you can wage war on the plane of the spiritual, and when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about weird or hokey, I'm talking about the written word of God, you'll defeat him every time. Amen. Matthew 8, 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried. And, and a, few, a few weeks back on a Wednesday, we showed how the Hebrew word on, in Isaiah 53 is the same word for the scapegoat. 
So whenever I quote Isaiah, excuse me, whenever I quote Matthew 8, 17 in the morning, I say it this way, he carried away. Because that's the way it reads in the Hebrew in Isaiah 53. He took up our infirmities and he carried away our diseases. And I would ask the crowd, what tense is this? Now this happened 2,000 years ago. See, as long as Satan can hold you in the realm where you, as long as Satan can hold you in the realm where you're trying to get God to do something, you're defeated. Because you're not operating at revelation knowledge. Say it out loud, the work's done. The work's done. Seventh, I would take the congregation to 1 Peter 2.24 and I would point out that in truth they were already healed 2,000 years ago. 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. And I would ask the crowd, what tense is this? Past tense. And eighth, I would take the congregation to Mark 11.22-24. Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God. See, he's talking to them as believers. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Then he shifts gears. See, he gives you the principle in 22-23. And why does this work? How does this work? Why does it work? Well, because it all goes back to God giving Adam authority over the earth, over the animals, over the creation in the beginning. It's great revelation in Galatians 3. I wish preachers would actually, you know, crack the Bible open on occasion. But he's restored unto us, there it is, he's restored unto us all that Adam lost. And more. Adam wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall saith unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and shall not, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So in, this, in these verses, he uses the word say, or saith three times, he uses the word believe once. I shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now we won't get there tonight, but in the miracle that Austin's going to teach on next Wednesday night, it is a level that very few get to. And that is faith in your words. It's available, and any one of us as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can get there, but we have to exercise our faith, grow our faith, and get to that place. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Then he shifts gears, verse 24, he's talking about prayer. Therefore I send you what things serve you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And I would ask the crowd, are you ready to receive what Jesus has done for you? Are you ready to receive in your body the victory that Jesus won for you 2,000 years ago? Are you ready to have, 
hands laid upon you in faith. Are you ready when hands are laid upon you to believe you receive your healing when hands are laid upon you? And if you cannot honestly do this, then wait. Listen to more preaching of the word until you can come forward with this spirit and attitude and then you will receive. See, I, so th this was my answer to him when he asked me, if, if you were an evangelist, how would you prepare people before you laid hands on them? And I, wrote, I went to my office and I wrote down these eight things. Probably the greatest healing pastor in American history was Amy Semple McPherson. And she had a, they taught, they had a healing school every day. And uh, they, in fact, they, they held church every day. But to, for her to lay hands on you, you had to sit through five services. The ushers would mark your card. You had a card. They'd mark your card. And when you had, when you, when you could show that you'd sat through five services, she'd lay hands on you. If you did not receive something, you had to go back, get a fresh card, start over. See, in other words, and, and in the history of the church, so far as I know, she was the greatest healing pastor. Maybe, maybe Alexander Dowie, but he was from, I think, Australia. People don't want to learn. They, they want to think they know everything. And you know, we've tried to talk to guest speakers. But you know, in our offerings here at Faith Christian Center, every offering is free will. Give what you want. We teach the word, but then we, we, there's no pressure. We don't do what Oral Roberts used to laugh about. You know, we don't do stomach pump offerings. And uh, somebody might complain about Faith Christian Center, but if you go visit over there, they do half-hour offerings. We do five-minute offerings. See, it's about the word. If you'll teach the people the word, then their faith comes up. Faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you'll teach people the word, then their faith will come up. Because, and I would say to them, because if you come forward and have hands laid upon you without being ready to receive when hands are laid upon you, all you'll do is hinder your own faith. And this is what, the, this is what happens. And that's why as time has gone by, we, we probably lay hands on people less than maybe we used to. You have to teach. You have to teach. You have to teach. You've got to get people prepared. You've got to get people ready. But it's a little more sober than that because if you've been saved a while, God, God expects something out of you. God, because Jesus himself said, have faith in God. Jesus didn't teach, uh, you know, rely on my faith, rely on Peter's faith, rely on John's faith. That's not what he taught. He said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. I don't know if the sky is clear tonight, but if it is, I challenge you. When you're walking out to your car, I don't know if it's clear tonight, but if it is, See, we live in the city. We have all this ambient light. We, forget, we, we can't see anything. But if it's clear, I want you to look up to the heavens. The moon, that's the same one Abraham used to look up and see. And billions of stars. Who created all of that? 
and this old earth, all of its wonders. And all he really wants to know is one thing. It's not really hard at all. You go out there and you look up at the heavens. And the one who created all of that really only wants to know one thing. Do you believe him? That's it. And if you can believe him, nothing is impossible. You can be healed of anything. Doesn't matter how you got it. Doesn't matter how long you've had it. You can achieve anything. You can make your dreams come to pass. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Sweet lady in the church, she's not here tonight, or she may be working somewhere in the building. She, she was throwing a birthday party for her oldest daughter and went over here to a fancy hotel and rented two nights for everybody and catered and all of this. And the lady checking her in at the front desk said, oh, I used to go there. I used to go there. Is that preacher still preaching prosperity? And she said, yes. How do you think I can pay for all this? <laughs> so when she told the story, I thought, well, what am I supposed to be preaching? Poverty? <laughs> Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Hallelujah. And I'll say something else. Stop putting up with the works of Satan in your family, in your body, in your money. Now, when I say in your family, you can't control somebody else's will. But I'll tell you one thing you can do. When they're little, you can make them. Yeah, we never negotiate. Did we ever negotiate with you? No. Do I negotiate with you now? <laughs> so you, you guide them, you train them. But I'm talking about a husband or wife. And unfortunately, sometimes people marry, you know, clunkers. But uh, you just got to work your way through that. I don't have a message on that. Amen. You know, it is what it is. But you can believe God. And, but wait a minute, the Lord's correcting me. He can restore the years the locusts have eaten. The Bible says, he's talking to me. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of God like a water course and God can turn that heart whichever way he pleases. So uh, God can do a miracle. God can do a miracle in a marriage. God can do a miracle in someone's heart. Nothing is impossible with the Lord. There is absolutely nothing impossible with the Lord. Somebody might look around and see all this evil and wickedness going on in the land and say, well, the Lord can't fix that. Sure he can. All we need is a revival. All we need is a third great awakening. Amen. It's all we need. Either that or the rapture. That would fix everything. Then all of this is somebody else's problem. Amen. But uh, sure, nothing is impossible. When Sue and I started out, we were eating two for one 
Parton's Pizza over there on McCart at Seminary Drive. We never saw any of this. Never saw any of this. And we could give God $100,000 in a week, not even, not even miss it or think about it. It's amazing. I'm staggered, sir. <laughs> I'm impressed. The Lord has done wondrous things in our eyes. And we are glad. Amen.